0: Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net.
1: We hope you enjoy this week's message. Tonight, of course, like I promised, we had a special treat. I tried to make it a surprise, but pastor blows all my surprises, (laughs) not intentionally He's just one of those people that can't keep a secret. And, uh, so, uh, Dr. Diane Coughlin is with us and, uh, pastor Dan and Amy, hi Amy, and some of our river of life family. And I'm so excited, um, to, to have her get to impart because she has so much to share. And it's, it's always a treat for me when I get to be with her, but, um, I decided to share with you tonight. So we're going to enjoy that. But, um, so I'm not going to take up a separate offering at the end because I don't want the time that the Holy Ghost is ministering whatever uh, he and she have on their hearts together to be interrupted. So uh, if you want to sow a seed, which I know you do, uh, into this offering for uh, Pastor Diane, we want to be an enormous blessing to her. Amen. So if you're putting in your regular ties and offerings, that's great. You can uh, put in a separate or the same envelope for Pastor Diane, and we will get that to her. So the Bible says in Romans thirteen seven to give honor where honor is due, that we're to honor all men and treat them like the royalty they are, men and women, because they're sons and daughters of the king. But the Bible enumerates that there is uh, honor specifically to the men and women that minister the gospel. So Pastor Diane or Dr. Diane, whichever you prefer, is one of those people that we honor and esteem highly. So they inherited us. Uh, which is not easy, because we were, uh, Dr. and Mrs. Brooks were our pastors, and when they assumed that pastorate, um, we came with the package, so (laughs) the stepkids got foisted on them, and so they've probably had a little bit of a wild ride, but um, you know, you never gave up hope on us, so thank you. (laughs) They're on our board, and we get to have, have good times together, but thank you for seeing us through. All that. So uh, we want to especially honor the gift that is among us. And sometimes I know people want to let a minister speak and go, hey, if they did good, we want to bless them or whatever. But we work by faith around here. So in other words, whatever you sow into this is what you're going to reap. So what we get out of uh, services or out of ministers is proportionate to how we respond to that so you can just sow your offering by faith. And then in First um, Timothy 5.17, it says to the elders that rule well or to the pastors that do an excellent job, and uh, her and Pastor Dan, Dan are that, the consummate example of excellence. We are to give double honor, and that word honor in the New Testament means wages, money, and valuables. So we want to give them the double honor that is due them because um, we are grateful for the impartations that they impart to our lives. And some of you have had uh, her via video for a class or two, and some of you are uh, in for a treat. So I don't want to take up a lot of time. I want to go ahead and receive that offering and then introduce them properly. So let's pray, and gentlemen, you get ready to, to receive that. Father, we are so grateful that we can come before you at this part of the service always and worship you and honor you with tithes and offerings. Thank you for the opportunity of sowing into someone, Father, that has lived a life that's leaving a legacy constantly for us to follow in their footsteps of faith, that shows us the way to go, Father, in line with your word and your spirit. What a rare and precious gift that is among us, and we honor it and esteem it highly. And so we say, uh, go grow to our seed and we'll see you soon in Jesus name. So mixed faith when you put that in there. So uh, Pastor Dan and Diane have been in ministry for over 40 years, right? And they're only 45. So yeah, they got started early. Associate pastors at a church in Tampa for about 22 years before they became the senior pastors, River of Life, probably more than 22 years. I'm kind of underestimating. 19 years or more at River of Life. Yeah, whoo, hallelujah. (laughs) Uh, Master's in counseling degree, doctorate in theology, and uh, many more things, but a professor at Life Christian University, travel, speak, conferences, a lot of things. So again, we'd be here a half hour, I'd be extolling her virtues, and I could, and I will, but you're like, we've heard you already, Pastor Maria. (laughs) Hang on, sugar is on his way home, Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, without further ado, I'd like uh, Dr. Dan and Diane Coughlin and even Miss Amy. Y'all come up and g- please greet the people. Yeah, she's like, no, don't make me the world's best church secretary ever. When I grew up, I want to be just like her. So, doctors Dan and Diane Coughlin, please give them a warm welcome.
0: Thank you. Do you want to use that? Yeah. 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 All right. Hey, great to be here. We always enjoy being okay. over on this side of the county. Not, not really, it's a long trip and I-4 is not fun to drive on, but you're you. it's worth the trip to come over here and uh, we're delighted to to be here tonight and uh, I'm delighted that Diane is speaking and I get to sit and listen. It's a wonderful thing <laughs> and good to see some folks we haven't seen for a yeah, while. That's... So uh, I think you're all wired to go, aren't I you? I think I am. Hey, oh, I'm, out. I'm on and everything, that's good. Usually I... Uh... Oh well, we'll skip that. We um, are just deeply honored to come into this pulpit. I've I've always told Pastor Me she's one of my favorite speakers. I just love to hear her. She's the most articulate teacher I've ever heard, and so this is hard for me. And I'm serious about that. And I've heard a lot. I just think she's awesome. And uh, of course we have. Dr. Jack that has got probably the biggest heart for souls of anyone I've ever seen and flows so awesome in the Holy Ghost and we just deeply respect and honor them and are so appreciative of their ministry and and then I get to see my bestie tonight, one of them, she's so cute and I love Mr. Mel, one of the elders of the city I say and uh, we're just so grateful to be connected. And, uh, and of course, we see some people from our, our church. I'm so glad you guys came and support. How sweet. That just means so much to me. And uh, so without further ado, we will go ahead and get started. My, my daughter, I was telling her, she's talking about, you know, when she gets home and blah, blah, and you know, how long this might be tonight. And I said, well, honey, I've got like 30 pages of notes here. And I said, 15 of them are just the introduction. So she said, oh, okay, mom. I said, and then we're going to be ministering. So this is going to be a little while. <laughs> so, not really. I, I won't do that to you. But um, it is going to be kind of like, uh, I, I'm, I sometimes can be just like a machine gun. <laughs> it's the way I go. And so, uh, but I just believe I'm amongst men and women and, and uh, young people that, that can have ears to hear fast. Is that well, good? And so you may not have to turn to every reference that I make, but that's okay. We're going to uh, probably declare it or say it somewhere in the midst of it. So if you need to take notes, wonderful. I, um, I just think we're, we're on, a, on a Holy Ghost ride tonight, amen? Father, we just thank you so much for these beautiful men and women of God. We're so, so honored to be here. And Father, you know that I don't want to speak apart from you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. So I just pray that the word of the Lord would have free course in here tonight and be glorified. And that Lord, you would um, uh, cause my speech to be seasoned with salt and walking in wisdom. And Lord, that it would be made manifest even as I speak. I just thank you for the unction of the Holy One tonight that abides on the inside of me. And I roll the care of this and ask that every word be spoken under an unction and anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I thank you for ears that have been prepared to hear and to receive in the inward part of the heart. For Lord, that's where you desire truth to be spoken. And Lord, I just thank you tonight for that ability, for that anointing that breaks yokes in here tonight. I thank you for these people of God that love you and have come out to hear from you. And Lord, we just give you all the glory. Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, uh, in praying for this particular message the other night, I was... um, Sometimes what happens with me is I'll get these little mini visions and we'll talk a little bit about the fact that we need to see things when we pray. You know, I believe in the last days we're to have vision. You know, the young men shall dream dreams and the, or is it the other way around? The old men shall dream dreams, young men shall see visions. So I'm still young at heart. So I see these mini visions and there are just times when all of a sudden in prayer, I'll just see something and the Lord Hallelujah will tell you what you're praying about sometimes if you're just listening, amen? And we need to have ears to hear what he's saying. And if he shows you something, it could very well be that's what you're interceding about, now, some of this, the river of life here has heard some of this before. I can only speak from what's going on in my spirit. And so I'm just going to speak for several messages that some of them have heard on Wednesday nights. And, and I'm just going to, uh, as the Holy Ghost leads, put it all in perspective. Because he's been sharing some things with me. And I had three little mini visions in prayer. One of which was this moment of intercession. And all of a sudden, I heard in the spirit that there were people that were saying... Why is my soul so downcast? I was so grateful when we came in tonight and we were singing that particular song right there, I thought, oh, hallelujah, why am I so downcast and yet... The words of worship and praise or what we enter into to lift ourselves out of it. But I realized I was interceding for men and women and children of God that were cast down. And I felt like in my spirit the Lord was showing me that sometimes before the greatest victories are the greatest battles that we fight. And so I felt like uh, the intercession was on that behalf. And we're going to take a look. Actually, that's a, a quote right out of Psalms uh, 43 and 42. So we're going to look at that tonight. But before we do, I had another little little mini vision that came up. And it was uh, this exciting uh, moment. Um, and I wish I could put into words sometimes the things that you see. You know, sometimes they, they're hard to articulate because you're caught up in a moment and I was just praying, and all of a sudden, I, I saw as though there were uh, angelic beings that were moving out of the way. They were just, they had all been sort of on their knees, but they began to stand up and move out of the way. And as they did right behind them, and I've never seen Jesus, you know, up close, but I knew that was him. And I could sense his presence upon that intercession. And I felt like there was a flurry of activity and excitement in the heavenlies. They're excited about something that's getting ready to be ushered into this earth right now. Hallelujah. I know oftentimes we speak of revival, and I believe there's one coming. I sometimes hesitate using the word revival because it it sort of generates an idea, you know, of what you think revival's supposed to be. And so, you know, when you think back, there was that kairos moment. It's a Greek word that talks about timing and where things just come all together. It goes from one day to the next. You see the fulfillment of something that's been happening. We saw that the day, and we're going to be celebrating that pretty soon, where Jesus was born. We're going to be celebrating Christmas. You know, all of heaven was rejoicing. The heart of the Father was being released. His salvation had come. Hallelujah. And so they had this enormous celebration in heaven that thou has reached earth. And all the angels began to praise God. And they said, peace on earth, good will toward man. I mean, this was the heart of the Father. And so we saw that, that moment in time. We saw it on the day of Pentecost, you know, when that fulfillment of what Jesus had told them to do, to tarry and to wait for the promise of the Father. And then on that day, and we all know how exciting that was, there came this sound from heaven and it began to fill the room and everyone began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And we know as you go on and read the story, what a fantastic moment in history that began to pour forth decades of the Holy Ghost moving over and over again and souls being saved by the thousands. Well, you know... We do not always know what is going to be necessarily on the horizon with this revival, this end-time revival coming. And, you know, the people did not expect at that time that Jesus was the going to be the answer. This little baby born in a manger, even though Isaiah had prophesied it, was not what the men and women were looking for at that time. Amen the day of Pentecost was not what they expected. He just told them to wait and tarry. So they had no idea what was getting ready to impact them. And I really believe in the same way we have an expectation coming and the angels of heaven, there is coming a Kairos moment here on earth as it is in heaven. And we're going to be part of that. Hallelujah. And so we need to stay in that position, amen, where we're making way and preparation for the Lord. I just love the, uh, the, the Holy Ghost. He, he kind of shows us things. He's, part of his ministry is to show us things to come. Amen? He wants to deliver to us the things of the Spirit. And if we have ears to hear, we're going to be able to receive. Hallelujah. All right, so tonight, for just a moment, I just wanted to talk about some things about the, the, the seasons in life that we sometimes are preparing for. You know, God is always preparing us. Every season that we're in, God is preparing us. You're always going to find yourself in different seasons. Some are in some really hard seasons right now. I think with the idea that there were people crying out, going, "'Lord, you know, why am I so cast down?' I could see the warfare, the enemy coming against people's souls, mind, will, and emotions to try to tear down and keep them in a way that kept them from hearing and receiving from God. And so how and why would he do that? He wants to prevent you and cast a stumbling block in your, in your path to keep you from growing, to keep you from hearing, to keep you out of the will of God. And so we're going to look at that for uh, tonight. I believe there are going to be a few things accomplished in here, one of which is to restore hope. You know, hope deferred can make the heart sick, the Bible says. But when the desire comes, it's as a a tree of life. And so when hope has been deferred or put off or prolonged and, and the expectation gets disappointed, and it can happen to us at any time of day, we can have something that we expected up here and all of a sudden find ourselves down here. You know how fickle emotions can be. And sometimes when something gets prolonged or put off and, and we don't see answers and we begin to question the Lord, such as what we're going to see here in a few minutes, we see the disappointment that can then cause one's heart to become heavy. Number two, exposing the enemy's plans. Now, I may not follow one, two, three, four, but in this message, there will be things that will, say, will, will uh, be, fulfill these, these, um, this direction. He's going to expose... How the enemy works. How many of you know we need to know? The thief comes to steal. We know this scripture. Kill and to destroy. But it is amazing how many times people can get under, if you will, and not even realize they're under oppression from a work of the enemy and how subtle he can be. And so we'll look at that. Uh, Number uh, three is to lift you up. Tonight, I just pray you go out of here just rejoicing in the Lord. Hallelujah. I just pray that tonight you go, oh, it was good to have been in the house of God. Tonight, I heard the Lord speak to the inward part of my heart. And then finally, to cause your faith to arise. You know, when we hear the word of God, we're to be in a position that, that all of a sudden things should change in our spirit. Now, for some of you, I might be watering uh, a word that God's already given you. Some of you, it may be just being planted tonight. Some of you, God's going to give an increase. Some of you will walk out and go, "I just received tonight." Hallelujah! So we're going to look at that uh, in a few moments, and we'll we'll turn to the word. Now, Psalms 50:23 says, "He who brings an offering, praise of praise and thanksgiving, honors and glorifies me." And he who orders his way aright, and the Amplified puts it like this, who prepares the way that I might show him, to him I will demonstrate the salvation of God. That's pretty awesome. So when we are ordering our way aright before the Lord by bringing an offering of praise and thanksgiving, as we did in here tonight, and thank you, worship team, that was awesome. Uh, And as we do so, we um, are preparing away. Did you ever think that when you come in here, how many of you have ever come in and you haven't felt like worshiping? Anybody, you know, even the worship team goes through that. I know I'm on one, you know. There are some Sunday mornings where if it weren't the fact that I'm part of the pastoral team, I'd love to roll over and go back to sleep. Not because I don't want to be with God. It's just my flesh, you know, and the older I get, you know, there are moments where sleep is just something I like a little bit more. I know we're told not to love it, but you know, tonight I was getting ready uh, to leave, and I, I finally did one of these. Okay, it's the best I can do. And so I told Dan, you know, there's puffiness under my eyes. You know how we women are, and we're looking at everything that really should be better <laughs> or younger. I, I reached 65 this end of this year, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm on Medicare at the end of this year. And so here I am with that moment. And Dan Dan looked at me and said, okay, honey. He said, it's all your wisdom just coming out in 3D. I'm like, thank you, honey. All my wisdom is coming out in 3D. Oh, thank you so much. How to win friends, right? But when we're preparing the way, we're making something ready. Um, that is able uh, to do or to deal with something. When we do that, we're, we're, we're in worship and praise. We're preparing the way of the Lord. We're getting our focus off of ourselves and onto him. Amen? So when we're making preparation, we're doing something that is um, making something ready. We're making ready the way of the Lord in our lives. And so um, I wanted to read a couple of scriptures from the book of Isaiah as he was prophesying. There is something about preparing the way that we can see in these scriptures. Isaiah 40 verse 3 said, There's a voice of one, and this was Isaiah prophesying about the future, but he said, There will be the voice of one who cries, Prepare in the wilderness the way of the Lord. Clear away the obstacles. Make straight and smooth in the desert a highway for our God. So there is a, uh, an admonition here that when God's way is being made and being prepared, even in the earth, in this uh, absolutely awesome kairos moment that God is going to impact the earth, we see God prophesying through Isaiah clear away the obstacles. And whose responsibility is that? That's ours, to make straight and smooth in the desert a highway for our God. We know that God is all the while at work within us, and he causes us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But we yield, that, we yield our members as instruments of righteousness unto him for him to do that work, amen? So when we're making something straight or upright... It's the pathway or our course in life. Any of you can stop and think about different times in your life as you've been growing in the Lord that God comes along and makes an adjustment. That's him making the way straight. And sometimes you've had to clear away an obstacle. It may not have been something bad. Maybe it was something good that just needed to be put out of the way because God began to deal with you. Well, Isaiah 57, 14, the same thing is reiterated. Cast up and prepare the way Take up the stumbling block. And the way the Amplified puts it, the enticement, the obstacle, specifically an idol, that which caused to fall, it could be an offense. Remove these obstacles, these stumbling blocks that caused a hard heart or a perverse heart. Remove it out of the way of the spiritual return of my people. So there are times in our lives where we have to still keep the way clear for the path of God to come through. Amen? For thus says the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit. So we see that that reviving will come to the one who's humble and to revive the heart of somebody's uh, c- contrition. So we need to have that kind of heart that is always when we're preparing the way of God to move in our lives, even to go up to another level, even to put, we're always in preparation. And we may be, like I said, in seasons. Some may be harder. Winter seasons in the spirit sometimes are harder than the summer seasons. But the seasons are going to come. And some of us feel hard in the season where we can't see a whole lot of fruit. Sometimes we're, we're plowing. Sometimes the, 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 the hardest thing seems to happen during that season. And yet God, all the while, is doing something inside. And he's changing and rearranging. He's preparing the way. So we're going to find ourselves in those kinds of seasons. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about tonight about preparing that way. Uh, Ecclesiastes says, to everything there's a season. And there's a time to every purpose. So, seasons can be difficult. And we know that in 1 Peter, the first chapter, verse 6, it says, uh, Where in times past you are to greatly rejoice, though now for a season you may be in heaviness through many temptations. How about that? We might be having a heavy heart because we're going through many trials and temptations for a season, and there's a preparation going on. And that doesn't mean that God always ordains. And we know that God doesn't tempt with evil. And neither does he tempt any man. But we know the enemy comes to try the word of the Lord inside you. Even though it's been purified and tried and Jesus already won the victory, he comes to challenge it in you. And so those trials, those times in the season, and they may be a time of heaviness, may be a time where you, you feel down. It may be a time where it just seems every time you turn around, you get through one and here comes another. Anybody ever gone through a season like that? You know what I'm talking about. That the trial of your faith is much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Hard to see it when we're in the midst of it. Hard to understand when we're in the midst of it. Though it be tried with fire. And then he goes on, that it might be found unto the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a purpose, and there will be a season where it turns. And he said, to everything, there's a season and a time to every purpose. So seasons can be difficult. Believe it or not, even in your trials, you're in preparation. But God is looking for that vessel of honor that is going to be fit and ready for the master's use and sometimes you think as you draw uh into a battle and you feel like that battle has just been you know non-stop and there are times when you can become weakened and feel weary that's when you need to be at church i encourage people get in the habit of coming to church i'm a pastor so i can say this you know Be in the consistent pattern whether you feel like it or not. It should not be a choice when you wake up on Sunday mornings. Oh, I just don't feel like it today. Or I planned so-and-so and and -and so-and-so for today. It's just a decision. Now, I'm not in the law about this. You know what I'm talking about There's a difference between somebody has an occasional Sunday they miss for a good reason. I'm talking about having a mindset that says, I'm not coming to church. I'm not going to go to church today because I don't feel like it. Because when you come into the presence of the Lord, when you come into worship, there are things that just happen in the spirit that protect you, that cause things to fall at your side. When the word of the Lord goes forth, it is again a thing that is for instruction in righteousness into your life and sometimes for correction. And sometimes just to remind you how much he loves you and how much you're the apple of his eye and how much he's got plans, good plans, and to give you hope and an expected end. But we need to come. Sometimes we need to come for the purpose of edifying somebody else. Did it ever occur to you, you have something inside you that needs to be imparted to somebody else? And that maybe you're going to come today to lift up somebody else and in so doing lift yourself up because God will come through as you as a vessel are ready and fit for his use. Some of you are getting ready to see your season turn. I felt like the Lord said to, to say this, and it's going to be a suddenly. He said, the Lord says it's, gonna, it's been a hard season. There's been plowing and seeding, not much fruit. But the Lord says, what you didn't see happening, I did. Your heart was being changed. Your endurance has increased. And your humility has abounded. There is a season of great grace coming upon you. I've seen your faithfulness and your diligence despite what you felt or could see. And now you're going to begin to see the fruit of your labor. Hallelujah. Begin to rejoice even now, says the Lord, for your faith is complete and you will be lacking in no good thing. Hallelujah. That's a good word tonight. And that's for some of you, all of you for this house. All I know is that the Lord began to put that on my heart. We're getting through the season. We're going to see the season turned. Maybe we are going to see in this lifetime that sudden revival or impact here on earth as heaven is preparing right now. Praise God. We We can be in that position to continue to prepare the way of the Lord. Now, let's look at what I felt like the Lord was going to do in restoring hope. Recently, I was in prayer, and and I, I shared with you how I heard people just downcast all over the place. And, you know, so I just continued to intercede that people would get lifted up, that their eyes would be transferred from what they felt so downcast about would be lifted up to the Father again. And so it was as if to say that they were just caught in this place, and that that they were feeling hopeless. Ever felt hopeless? I mean, we can all say and attest that in our walk and journey with God, there are times when you can feel hopeless. We know a little bit about hope. Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. So our hope is an expectation of something that we're expecting. And we know that the Bible talks about hope in connection with our faith. It's the substance of things hoped for. So when our hope goes down, where do you think your faith goes? Right down with it. Why would you think the enemy would be so uh, astute in learning if he can get you where your hope is, he'll get to your faith? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. The Amplified puts it like this. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for. Being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. And I like it the way it's put. So it's not it has nothing to do with how we feel. Nothing to do with what we we, we touch or see or Uh, You know, nothing to do with that. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that your faith is not dependent on your senses? And yet, we have moments where our senses are engaged, don't we? Hebrews 6.19 says, hope is the anchor to our soul. Anchors our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our mind, the things that we think about, the things that can slay us in a moment, A thought that can come if entertained. We soon can lose control of our actions. A thought that began with a seed. Hope is an anchor to your mind. Hope is an anchor to your will. Hope is an anchor to your emotions. Sometimes our willingness is on the line. That's our hope, isn't it? Our hope becomes challenged because we find our will is not cooperating with what we find God asking us to do so we could say if our hope is lost we'd say we have no stability we've lost our way remember we're looking at preparing the way of the Lord we don't want to be lost why would we look at this tonight because hopelessness is a stumbling block it's a stumbling block directly connected to our faith And if we think that something is never going to happen or change and that my prayers aren't being answered, our mind can become tormented with thoughts of rejection. We'll see this in just a minute in this, with this book of Psalms, Uh, our emotions or the lack thereof, you know, some people have a lack of emotion. Uh, So you can have emotions that are overt and covert and sometimes not even feel them at all. And so the emotions or the lack thereof can still lead us. They can lead us. Uh, We can become in dire need. And the lack thereof or the emotions can be what leads us rather than what the Spirit of God says to do. This is a stumbling block that must be removed. Now, if we'll just look real quickly in Psalms 42 and 43, and I'm just going to share with you a few thoughts from here. Um... And let me just preface this about the book of Psalms. I am grateful to God for his wisdom to give us these words of passion. Sometimes they're an expression of raw emotion. They're penned on all of these Psalms in these pages. They're expressions of the innermost thoughts of the heart. And these thoughts are brought to light... And we see these truthful perceptions as these psalms are written in the middle of their storms in life. Some are prayers, some are songs, so reflective that I believe God wanted us to have a look into these writings to communicate some things to us personally, specifically. Now, I know we live under the New, New Testament, and I know that God doesn't want us led by our emotions, but they are indicators they are things that we need to take a look at, and sometimes we need to get them under subjection to the Spirit of God. But there are some things that I also feel on the other side of this coin that God wants us to know. Number one, you're not alone. There's something about reading the Psalms that tells us we're not alone, that others have felt like the way you do. You know, one of the tricks of the enemy is to isolate you and to feel like you are the only one going through this. And it's a trick to isolate you, to begin to uh, damage your thinking into believing that God doesn't care and neither does anybody else and nobody can relate. I want to remind us we have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. When I think of an infirmity, it's an area that's not firm. It's an area that's not stable. And you're heavenly father provided in the sacrifice of his son a way for you to know God knows what you're feeling. God knows when you're in a storm. God knows how you feel. And God is saying through these psalms, through these words, that you can find 150 of them. I hear your heart and your pain. And when all you can do is cry or even when your walls have gone up to protect yourself. You know, we do that. Sometimes we send up walls to protect ourselves so we don't get hurt. And you know, the interesting thing about that, one day the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, Diane, every wall that you self-erect to protect yourself, I can't get in. I'm going to say that again. Every wall that we self-protect with, and we all have probably can attest to having done that, is a wall that he cannot get into. We have to acknowledge that for that wall to come down. It's truth that has to get applied to the inner part of our hearts. It's self-erected. And so it stands proudly preventing God from coming in. Because we want to keep pain out. You're not alone. And God says he hears your heart. And he understands when you question. And I mean no disrespect here when I say this. But sometimes we can get this distorted idea that if we utter to God what's in our hearts, that somehow he couldn't handle it. I've usually put it like this. He does not fall off his throne because you come with something that is uttered from your heart that is a cry out in pain. In fact, the Bible says he'll incline his ear unto you. Hallelujah. So being transparent, which is a big word. In our culture today, with him is possible and it's necessary. The enemy plays in the dark. He can play in the corner of your heart and your mind. And did you know that acknowledging the truth of what's going on inside you is how we begin to recover? Second Timothy says, we recover from the snare the wicked one has put us in. We can't change what we don't acknowledge is going on on the inside of us. When we're transparent, God can reveal the truth to us about ourselves. Our, you know, the truth is he knows it already just by way of just letting you know that. About ourselves and our situations and his solutions. You know, God says that um, he'll give you the truth and you'll know it and the truth will what? Set you free. It'll set you free. And then number four, we have answers. God wants us to know that we have answers from him in the midst of our storms if we'll look to him. Sometimes we run away from God instead of to him. And so we need to have that built in. If we're going to keep the way of the Lord in our lives and he's going to come and prepare the way in each one of us individually and corporately, I do believe, then we have to keep the way clear. We have seen thus far that it's through humility. We've seen it's that contrite, repentant heart that says, God, I'm here, I can't change. I can do nothing apart from you. And I want to be transparent with you. Yes, I had an offense here. Or yes, I, I entertained something I shouldn't. Or yes, over here, I spoke something I shouldn't have. But we want to be transparent before God and allow him to come in and help. Hallelujah. Why would that be important? Because if we don't clearly understand, remember, we have a seed that has been uh, planted or imparted into our hearts, and many times, if we don't clearly understand what's happening, if we haven't gone to our Father, if we haven't gone and sought through the Word, we haven't had that relationship with Him and, and had a, a time in the Spirit with Him, the wicked one will come immediately when you don't understand And God wants us to understand some things. I know what you're going through. I know and I'm touched and I have a way out. And I have truth to apply and help you apply to the inward parts of your heart. So we want to keep those stumbling blocks um, out of our hearts. One of which is to wind up in a place of hopelessness or despair. I believe that if we're not careful, we can subtly be deceived. And to being so scared to talk of the things that make us question when we don't understand. And I've seen people scared to speak, uh, acknowledging that they have a battle. You know, people can get like that. You know, they, they want you to think they're so spiritual. They're scared that if you knew that they were in a battle, that they would think less of you. And you know right there, that's the fear of man. Is it not? And so we sometimes train even our people, if we're not careful, that you need to be always acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ. That's a truth. But if you're in heaviness through manifold temptation and you need somebody to come along and encourage you and lift you up, and you need to have truth spoken to you so that you can put things in perspective, how are they going to know if you don't share it, amen? And so uh, we need to not be in a place where we're afraid to utter what's going on in our heart or that maybe our confession will be... I don't know if that happens here, but there are people in the faith movement that get to a place where they... they can't even utter something in front of a brother or sister because they're going to be chastised for saying something that was negative. It happens. You can get under a religious spirit that way, trying to do a right thing by uttering the right confession. I am a faith woman, so I understand that we are to always have and try hard to make sure that what we confess is, is coming from our heart and our being, and that we keep it on the right path, and that we, we choose to declare the word of God in a situation. But by goodness, I'll tell you, if I'm troubled, I want somebody, a confidant that I can speak with that'll help me see things from another perspective. Help put me on the right path, amen? So with all that in mind, we don't want to get filled full of hopelessness and loneliness. And that's what happens. People begin to isolate. Not everyone has developed the skill of being spiritually minded. As much as we would like to think that everyone's spiritually minded... And that they've grown up. Some people haven't yet. And we come alongside to help people grow in that area. So uh, we, can, we can be merciful. And hey, we're all on a journey, aren't we? Sometimes we have to come back and be reminded of some things. You know, Paul said, I put Timothy in remembrance of these things. Now, why do you think he did that? Because they forgot. Thank you, Pastor Marie. I knew you would know that answer. Because they forgot. You know, we can forget what manner of man we are. In fact, the book of James, the first chapter, describes to us that we have to continue to look into that perfect law of liberty. And it's almost as if, uh, we're, if we're, we're not careful and we don't be a, become a hearer and a doer of what we're, we're being told, then we can, we can fall into a trap that will be just like those that just kind of look in the mirror and walk away. We'll forget what manner of man we are. And so Jesus, we know, told us that we're to receive with meekness the engrafted word. Actually, Jesus, I know he pretty much will say that, but I'm quoting from the book of James. (laughs) We're to receive with the engrafted word which is able to save our soul. Amen? That which is inborn and implanted by others' instruction capable of saving, delivering, and protecting our mind, our will, and our emotions. So that area that's not firm, we have a great high priest that is touched tonight. He's touched with the battle that you're in. He's touched with the fact, and he's proud of you for standing. And he wants you to know tonight your season is going to turn. And though you feel like you're in heaviness, and maybe on your own, you know, sometimes we've got battles that there truly is. No one can come in and, and tell us exactly what's going on. This is why we're just going to look in this reflective thought tonight in Psalms 42. we were going to get there. Psalms 42, it, it, it just puts it like this. And I, I love the way uh, they, um, they spoke. This was actually a psalm that was written by Korah and his, um, and his brothers. And they were in the midst of, of um, con- it, was, it was a contemplative uh, sort of poem. When you contemplate something, it's like you're, you're thinking and mulling something. It's, it's kind of the, the, the thing that you kind of, and we all do it. I mean, have you ever had somebody come up to you and go, man, you look like you are a million miles away. That's contemplating. And so these... These sons of Kor that got together, they'd been contemplating, and so they put this in perspective, this, this psalm. And when you read it, you almost think, man, one minute they're this way, and the next minute they're that. One minute he's declaring this, and the next minute he's declaring how his feelings were. He was in a major struggle. As the deer pants longingly, Psalms 42, one, longingly for the water broo- brooks, so my soul pants after you. And I love this word picture, uh, it, it's kind of a, a panting where uh, it suggests an effort that's uh, where you're breathing hard in a labored manner. And this is what this, this, uh, this deer, uh, this description, this word description that we can see. As the deer pants longingly for the water brook, so my soul is panting after you. My, my life, my inner self thirsts for the living God. When I'll come to see him face to face. Now, if I was to ask every one of you in here, you would say to me, that really is deep in my heart, my desire. That's exactly what I want to see. I want to see the face of God. Then he goes on and describes in verse 4, my tears have been my food day and night. So that's a lot of crying there, folks. That's a lot of crying, especially when it becomes your food. (laughs) Day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Have you ever felt like that? Where is God in the midst of this? So these, these psalms are reflecting what was going on in their heart. He, he began to, uh, to look at some uh, moments where he remembers uh, how he used to be part of the great crowd that would lead procession into the house of God. And with a great voice of joy and thanksgiving, as how a crowd keeps a festival. But then he says to himself, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become restless and disturbed within me? He's asking that question. Hope in God and wait expectantly for him, for again I shall praise him. O my God, my soul is in despair within me. It's a burden I cannot bear. Therefore, I'm going to remember... I'm going to remember some things that were good. You know, the enemy loves to get you to forget the goodness of God. He loves for you to... That's why I'm such a, oh, an advocate of journaling. You know, journal your thoughts. Journal your prayers. Journal things that happen. If you'll get in the habit of it, you can look back. If you recall, it was Moses was... um, it was, uh, yeah, Moses was exhorted to write his victories in a book for Joshua. Because it was important Joshua one day would take over. And he needed to see all the victories that were wrought in, in their, their wars. All the victories. Because Joshua would need to look back and say, oh, I remember when God did this for me. Oh, I remember when God came and and he did this. I remember when God let us out and did this. And you see, we need to have those places where we've written them in our journals and we can look back. And so the enemy will hide and cause you to forget those good things. These, psalm, these psalms reflected that they were trying to remember the good things. And he said, I'll say to my God, you're my rock. But why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? He's asking again, why am I doing this? It's almost as a crushing of my bones and my adversaries taunt me. Will they continually say to me, where is my God? Why are you in despair on oh my soul? Now, they really believe that both these Psalms were written together because the, the, um, the thought runs into the second into Psalms 43, they they believe these two psalms were really written together, and we see them pick it up in Psalms 50 43 again. Judge and vindicate me, O God. Plead my case against an ungodly nation. There was a national thing going on as well in their heaviness that they could they could feel, they could see, and you know we we are in a time right now where nationally, if you will if you will judge the temperature of what's going on up in our politics right now, I mean, it is nothing but strife. And we absolutely know in the book of James where there's envying and strife, there is what? Confusion. And every evil work. And so that was ushered in in the nation even as the sons of Korah were writing this, every evil work, what falls under the category of every evil work? Depression? Oppression? Sickness? Disease? Poverty? I mean, there's everything is involved in what is ushered into the nation and and when our laws are directly in violation to what God wants. Once again, we can see the violation. My husband was speaking this morning, and he was sharing how all of creation, God's written it into his laws that even creation suffers and will spew out the result of sin in the nation. It's, it's just there. And we know that right now our, our system is in an uproar. I don't know about you, but we don't have to become part of it, but oppression can come into a people, and you could wake up in the morning and be oppressed and not even know what's going on, not even know why you feel it, because it's in the air, it's nationally. We are recipients of decisions that are made nationally. We need to know that. I I know that your pastors are exhorting you to make sure you vote, exhorting you to pray above all things. We need to pray for the White House. We need to pray for the man that's in the office of presidency. We need to pray that the uprightness of, of the government gets straightened out. And truthfully, I know there's corruptness probably on both sides. I'm not trying to uphold one party above another. My husband says, look take their platform, look it up online, you can read the platforms and see which one lines up with the Word of God. And then, pray. God told us that we need to pray, first of all, for all those kings and leaders that are in authority. I've been amazed, I've listened to a couple of these hearings, uh, as bizarre as they are. The... The one thing takeaway that I had from it is I was totally amazed, and I guess seeing it in the the picture that I was seeing, how many people are involved, ambassadors, and how many people are involved in everyday decisions that are made in our government and overseas to bring connection, to bring unity. That part was pretty amazing to me. I guess because they're all behind the scenes, we don't see what's going on. No wonder God said pray and pray in the Holy Ghost because we don't know how to pray as we ought. And so the Lord can come alongside and help us. And so in, in, in our, in our uh, estimation of things, we need to keep our eyes on him despite what the news says. The news, I can promise you, I, I've told my husband this and In our congregation, I remember exactly where I was. I was in a living room in a little house off Oak Street. I was praying and I heard the Lord say, Diane, the next enemy you're going to have is the news. And I remember thinking, this was in the late 90s. I remember thinking to myself, the news? What's wrong with the news? And when I look at it now and today, they manipulate and... Veer from the truth, they no longer fact, give out things that are going on, they opine. And so we have a bunch of opinions going on all over the place, as if I cared about their opinions. Now, I'm not saying there aren't some good, good ones, and I'm not saying that opinions can't be helpful, believe you me. But they opine, they sit down and opine over something, and you're, you're left with their opinions, and they've gotten away from the truth and facts. But they're manipulating the American people's minds because they have, a so, they have a, an agenda. And I don't fault the people. I know who I'm wrestling with. We're not wrestling with ABC, NBC, MSNBC. We are wrestling with good and evil. We are wrestling with principalities. We're wrestling with the rulers of the darkness of this world that have... Uh, invaded the minds and hearts of people with an agenda that is against the will of God. So we pray. We don't get into fights politically. Please don't do that. It's only going to gender more strife. Now, it doesn't mean to say that we can't have a civil conversation with like-minded people, but what I am saying is pray. Our arguing with them is not going to change their minds. Believe you me. (laughs) I tried. No, no, I didn't. But pray, 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 and, and be in that mindset to pray and, and cooperate with God to remove the stumbling block out of the way of the spiritual return of our people. Amen? Of his people. Um, I don't know what time you usually stop and you don't... Okay, so I just, wanna, I just want to um, be respectful of, of, of your time here. I just wanted to bring out some things about this reflection in the first Psalm. And if you go on through Psalms 43 there, he goes once again to keep saying, you know, I'm, I know this, but I need to put my hope in God. I know this, but I I'm, I'm just don't understand why I'm so disquieted within me. I know what this says, but I'm having this happen to me. And so they were reflective. They were contemplative. They were putting out, right out there for you and I to see, That we have all gone through that at one time or another. I see this, but then my mind and my will and my emotions is battling this, and God knows it. God understands it. But I love this analogy of the deer panting longingly for the water brooks, and this um, this uh, in preparing this message, I remember um, reading something about uh, the deer that I just thought was so noteworthy when we put it in the perspective of this moment where the deer pants to find water. Now, you hunters will probably know this, but um, when they get their thirst satisfied, they have found a place in the water that provides a way of escape for them. You see, the stream or source of water will also erase the trail. So the enemy that's after them won't find them. That's what's beautiful about them panting after the water books. I love that analogy. We can escape the enemy tracking us. Shame, guilt, despair of ensuing evil. How do we do that? I love the fact that he used panting after the water. Do you remember in... In John 7, where Jesus, one day, and it says he was on the final, most important day, he stood and cried in a loud voice, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me and trusts in me, as the scripture says, out of his belly will flow rivers, streams of living water. They'll flow continuously. And we know he was speaking here of the Spirit whom those who believed, trusted, had faith in were afterward to receive. For the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. There was not a distinction in the spirit of his words at that moment because they saw him as a prophet. All of a sudden, he... Out of his innermost being begins to prophesy what was coming. The day of Pentecost. That Kairos moment that we know about. But he was talking about rivers and streams of water that would flow continuously out of our innermost being. I hope all of you in here pray in the spirit. I hope you pray in tongues. I hope you prayed like Paul said. I pray in tongues more than all of you. And he was there trying to straighten out a church that was praying in tongues a lot. He prayed in tongues a lot. He allowed those rivers of living water to flow out of him all the time. Jesus wants us in that place all the time. You know, that's a way in which you can pray without ceasing. I don't know about you, but I can be in the car all on my own. Nobody has to even know. They probably think I'm crazy. You can stand in the shower. You can do your dishes. Or load your dishwasher, whatever you're doing, and you can pray in the Holy Ghost. And so, out of your innermost being, you are doing something that's putting you in a stream of water that you can escape the enemy tracking you. Hallelujah! Except when you step over into intercession, uh, it doesn't mean that he's allowed to track you then. But you step over into a place where you're interceding on behalf of others, praying in other. I wish I had a night just to talk about praying in tongues. Just strictly, all the things that get accomplished when we pray in the spirit. And I guarantee you those words that we just think are unintelligible to our minds, they are spirit when you're in the spirit. And those words are going right back into your innermost being. And they're building your spirit man up. They're erecting spiritual walls that will help keep you in a good place. Those words are words that are not understood necessarily by the natural mind unless the Spirit of God interprets them for you. But they're building and charging your inner man up. And you know, sometimes we shun die for the first time, we get filled with the Spirit, and we don't make it a practice to stay praying in the other tongues. And God will lead you through rivers. All kinds of rivers. And, you know, there are those that have said, and I, I, this is how I believe, and Pastor Marie and Jack, if I say anything, you're welcome to come and correct me. Seriously. They say that this is a language that the enemy does not understand. And I, I just want you to put it in this perspective for a moment. Because 1 Corinthians 13 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of... That word angel there means both. Demonic and good, good and bad angels, okay? We know what they are, demonic spirits. So let me ask you something. If you and your wife or your husband and you want to go talk privately in your bedroom and you tell your kids to stay out here and you take and carry on a conversation between each other, it's private. The kids can't hear it. But all of a sudden, your kids start getting upset and hollering because there's a thief that's come to the door to come out. Your private conversation now ceases. You open that door, and you're after that thief, aren't you? And you could do that in the spirit. You can go after it. Have you ever been praying, and all of a sudden, your prayer language takes on a note of authority? Very often, you are challenging demonic spirits in the place in which you're praying. And so I love this analogy about how you are in a stream that wipes out the work of the enemy. He can't even find you. You've rebuked him. You've already prepared the way. And so we need to be men and women that take charge of that area of our lives, building ourselves up in our most holy faith. Now, When God wants to speak to me privately, he can't hear a thing. I mean, those are words that are going there. They're words that sometimes we're imparting to our spirit. We may not have the revelation right there. But all of a sudden, you're sitting in a service and Dr. Jack or Pastor Marie say something and it like explodes on the inside of you. Why? Because all of a sudden, you had a revelation of something they said to you that went straight into the inner part of your heart. You might have prayed that three weeks earlier in the spirit. Because the eyes of our understanding then all of a sudden get enlightened. And God interpreted something that you seeded in your spirit and watered by the Holy Ghost. I wish I had more time to spend on that. But he was speaking of the spirit of God. These streams of living water. I want to kind of close with this tonight. um, Mainly because... I do really have 30 pages of notes, but I wasn't really going to go through all of them. (laughs) I like them because I'm one of these that needs to be kept on track because I can just go all over the place. And so um, it doesn't bind me because I have gone off, but I I need to stay on track and I want to get out and impart what I really feel like um, the rest of these psalms do um, bring out. We do know that they were commanding their soul to hope. And sometimes we have to get in that place where we are disheartened and cast down. We have to do as they did. Soul, hope in the Lord. And we may ha- not feel like it to begin with. I remember years ago, I was, um, I was young in the Lord and I'd got, I, I don't even remember exactly what I did You know, I could do truth and confessions here, but I just honestly don't remember. That's one of the good things when you start getting to be 65, you do forget some things. But I do remember this, that I did not know... I I, I felt aloof from God, probably had sinned, don't know what I did, but I just kind of took a dive. Any of you ever done that? I was young. I was young in the Lord. I've taken dives when I've been old in the Lord. So I'm not going to be under any pretense here, but I dove. And for a week, I felt aloof and apart from God. And I remember trying to come back to him and, you know, it just felt like my words were empty. Ever felt like that? And so I came and I began to I did the only thing I knew to do to begin to water what I knew. You know, sometimes we just need to go back to what we already know to do. And so I began to open the word of God and began to, you know, the Lord showed me I was this shriveled up flower. I told you he talked to me in pictures. I was all shriveled up. And I, I this just, you know, ready to just f- the first wind that would have blown away. And so I did the first thing. I, I just began to pray. And then I began to read the word of God. And then I would, you know, have a time with God. I didn't feel a thing. I got to tell you. And so the next day I did the same thing. I'd read the word of God. I'd get up and I tried to follow some sort of reading plan and I, you know, prayed again. And I still didn't feel like it. And this went on for about 6 days. But I was watering seed. I was watering what God was doing to renew my mind. And when I got there, the seventh day, something happened. Something happened on the inside of me. I started feeling connected again. I started feeling like, oh, God really does love me. And he's really forgiven me. I felt that um, invasion of God coming back in. I had watered. I had done the thing I knew to do. Amen? And God began to bring forth fruit again in my heart. And so, the next day, I had the picture of this beautiful flower that had been watered. And all of a sudden, well, I'm not saying he was telling me I was beautiful, not that that wasn't a good thing. I just meant I had a picture of what had happened to me in the spirit. All of a sudden, I had this... I'm seeing this flower that had come back to life. And sometimes... That's the place we have to do and where we have to start. But I'm reminded of the story, and I, I, I will close with this tonight. And I'm a, I'm a closer, and then I'm a closer, and I'm a closer. So we'll, we'll do the best we can. So you recall in the, in the book of Exodus, and the Lord began to show me something in this uh, story that I slipped over into a prophetic word for the nation. And I'm going to share that with you tonight. But the uh, story, as you recall, uh, was in the book of Exodus. And it was actually their exodus in in Uh, 14.1. The attention in this chapter of the people was on the oppression. And God was wanting them to see their way of deliverance. And at some point, we have to have God's word has to go from just being highlighted in our Bible. This is a saying I heard from somewhere, but I, I don't know who to attribute it to. Uh, we have to go from, from the Word of God being highlighted in our Bible to being written on our hearts. And so I just want us to take a look at this tonight, and we'll close, and I'll try to be, I'll try to be uh, closey. Okay, Exodus 14. Um, <clears throat> Now, you've got to understand, this was a people that had been under tremendous oppression for quite some time. And so, you recall they're, they're, they're in this place that, uh, and we'll, we'll just start in verse 10, Pharaoh has drawn near, the Israelites looked up, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they're exceedingly frightened. And it said they began to cry out to the Lord, and they said, Moses... Is it because there's no graves in Egypt you've taken us to die in the wilderness? Every step out in God to go do something and then it just seemed like everything that you did went wrong. And you're like, "Why why did you lead me here? I was doing better back here. And so this is kind of what they were crying out with their hearts. And they said, Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt you've taken us out here to die? And you know, it's amazing to me when People get upset with the Lord. They get upset with their leaders. You know, you need to guard your heart against that. (laughs) I know, because I are one. Is it because there's no graves? Why have you treated us this way? Why have you bought us out of Egypt? Didn't we tell you to just leave us alone? You know, you can become comfortable in the place that you are, that you don't want to come out of. You don't, you you know, the comfort of where you are to make the change is too much. And they were really looking back to Egypt instead of making that, that way, you know, making the, the exodus or, or going. They kept looking back. And so in this moment, um, Moses told the people to fear not and stand firm, confident, undismayed. And he said, I want you to see something. Now, he's talking to Moses here. He said, I want you to see the salvation of God. that he's going to work for you today. For the Egyptians that you've seen today, you will never see again. How awesome is that? Have God come and tell you, the enemy you're battling, you are never going to have to battle it again. And Moses, you may be leading these people right now, but I want you to capture, I want you to see the end result of what I'm going to do here. So that means that Moses had a vision. Moses had to see the way of salvation out. I've been sharing with a a friend of mine about doing that in her prayer life. You know, pray, believing God to show you the end. Why not? I mean, that would capture a hold of your faith, wouldn't it? To see what you're praying. And I'm telling you, God wants to show you. Didn't he do that for Joshua? When he went in, he said, look. Here's the walls of Jericho, and here I want you to see the king and the, might, the, the mighty men of valor in your hand. He wanted him to see. Do you think God will show you? Do you think that he could give you a vision of the end result of your prayers? If you'll ask him, he'll show you. I promise you. And then you can write that down. That becomes a seal to your faith. And so, uh, he goes on and tells the people to fear not, stand still. Sometimes we don't like to stand still. I don't know about you, if you're, a, if you're somebody that, that doesn't like to stand still, maybe you're one that wants to go out and fix things and control things and change things and help God out. Has anybody ever done that? I've done that. You want to help him out. I mean, he's shown you a promise, so let me kind of get over here and kind of help him out to make it come to pass. And so Moses was telling the people to fear not and stand still. You know, sometimes God doesn't want you to do a blasted thing. We're so geared to want to have to do that we forget that God wants us to be. And so here he was, fear not, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. And then he said, the Lord is going to fight for you. That's the word of the Lord for you in here tonight. The Lord is going to fight for you and you will hold your peace and remain at rest. That means you don't have to say anything. You don't have to go do anything. You don't have to help God out. That even sounds like to me, you don't even have to confess anything here. Now, we know we would, but we don't have to go argue about it. We don't have to go make something happen. We don't have to... We can remain at peace. I tell you, people are in a position. I I was telling you, I had three little mini-visions, and the other one was this. And I had this this past week. I was... I was just praying and all of a sudden, oh, it wasn't a vision, it was something the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, Diane, you know, when he gets my attention and he says, you know, I uphold all things by the word of my power. Whew. I was like, yes. And he says, "So I want you to begin to declare peace into the situations you're praying about. And I taught on this last Wednesday and that peace encompasses and involves so many things. And it was the one weapon uh, in God's arsenal, so to speak, when he declared to the earth peace on earth, goodwill toward men. He didn't have to go into binding the devil. He just declared peace. It's a key. I wish we had more time to preach on that too. Fear not, stand still, be confident, and see the salvation of God. Begin to ask God to help you to see the end result. Lord, I want to see. I want, in the stillness that I'm going to spend time, I'm going to stand still and see the salvation of God. He wants to give you a vision. I want you to show, I want to show you my salvation. I didn't lead you here for there to be no way out, is what he was saying to Moses. And he led them there. You read back. Be at peace. I want you to see me working and I will give you a vision and I want you to hear me. And we know that happened with Joshua we know that the vision was uh the sixth day around the wall that Joshua was told ahead of time the seventh the, the or excuse me the yeah the seventh day the walls would be coming down Joshua saw this ahead of time that's why he could lead the people so um i love what i love what we we see in this story and i'm going to kind of close there because i I could go off in so many directions. I hate it when I get like this. This is why I have notes. So, um, so Pharaoh begins to say something in verse 3. He said, For Pharaoh is going to say of the Israelites, I've got them now. They're entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Ever felt like there's no way out? You're entangled in the wilderness. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> you we've got them. That is what Moses got the ear of the Lord to know what the enemy was uttering. The enemy was uttering some things and God revealed it to Moses. So he knew ahead of time what Pharaoh was going to say. You know, that's cool. And the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward to the Red Sea. I don't know if you can imagine that moment. And this was a Kairos moment. Lift up your rod now. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the Israelites are going to go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. But he said, I'm going to make their hearts stubborn. And I'm going to gain honor over Pharaoh and his hosts. And the Egyptians are going to know and realize that I'm the Lord, that I've gained honor and glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And you know the end of the story, you can read. The angel of the Lord moved around, and exactly what we know happened is Pharaoh and all of his army followed them in, and all of the, the, the chariots began to fall apart in the mud. And we know the story. How does that apply to me? Sometimes you're pressed into situations where there is no way out. And if you will stay in the Spirit... If you will get before God, he'll show you the way out. And if you're in a place that you felt like God led you, then you need to stay put and allow him to reveal to you more of the plan. He wants to speak to us. And we need to be in that position. Eyes not, hear, eyes not seen nor ears heard. The things that God has prepared for those that love him. And he loves you when you're in the midst of a battle. His love didn't change. It's deeper, it's bigger, it's wider than we could ever imagine. And so when Moses stretched that out, we know that the Egypt, he stretched forth his authority. Now, I know that you all teach on the authority of the believer in in LCU, and I encourage you all to get into LCU, those that you can. You'll learn, you'll get your mind receiving the engrafted word. Become students of the word. But as they went into the sea... Um, and as they were pursued, the, the Lord told Moses to hold up his rod of authority. You know, we forget who we are sometimes. We forget the authority that has been given to us in Christ Jesus. We have authority as a believer to command Satan to cease and desist against us. And when we recognize him, And when we've been shown clearly, all you have to do is look at the fruit of something that's happening in your life. Is it bringing doubt and confusion? Are you feeling entangled like you're in a wilderness and you're under heaviness and you wonder where God is in the midst of it? The enemy has come. And we have the right in the name of Jesus, through the power of the blood of Jesus, to stretch forth our hand. Amen? And we can see a way of deliverance made. And God wants to reveal it to us. Now, as I was, as I'm, I'm studying on this, I'm looking at this story again, who we have, we have probably heard over the years, preached and taught. But all of a sudden, I heard the Lord begin to say something. He said that the enemy that is pursuing this nation will find themselves in the same manner as in the days of old. When I parted the Red Sea, they will say, we have him now. They will say, there's no way out. But he said, I have allowed this for like in the days of old, they have continued to make their own hearts stubborn and hard and are pursuing a path wherein they walk that will bring on their own destruction. But as they've begun to pursue and overtake, I, the Lord says, I have... And will become a wall of fire and light to surround my man whom I've placed in office. They are protected and all that are surrounding him. They are protected and will continue to walk unscathed. For in a moment, I'm going to send a whirlwind of a hurricane proportion upon those who have risen up against. And the horse and the rider will be thrown into the sea. Never to rise again. I would call my church to fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of their God. Stand and proclaim the victory with your rod, with the rod of my authority. Now, it is that we need to be a people that are of the same mind. We need to be of the same heart. We need to be in a position, we're hearing what God said. I, I, I'm going to say this, uh, and please don't stone me. I do know that President Trump... Is not a perfect man but he's the one who's in office right now he's the one that we believe God put there he may be refining him but I'll tell you this if you'll look at all that he's done and begun in turning our nation at a place where our laws are being changed for righteousness he's behind some things that God is using and if we will stand and believe for God's hand to come forth. And we won't fear. We're not going to fear what the news says. But we will stand still to see the salvation of God. See it. See God turning. I see a huge ship right now. My husband and I, we just, we just love to cruise. First time I ever saw a ship, I was just... You know, I, I never knew they had ships that big. And they've gotten even bigger now. And, you know, when they make a turn in the ocean... You know, they. Um, it takes time. That's right. And I see that ship turning. I've seen it like on the, on the verge of making that, that turn. And right now, the battle seems to be thicker and worse than we ever thought it could be. But I promise you, if we'll speak the same thing, we'll keep our hearts right. We'll keep the way clear. We'll keep the way clear for God to come through. Righteousness in a nation... Uh, it will be exalted. We can be freed from fear and oppression and terror because when righteousness is ruling, the nation will be blessed. And we need to be in that position when we're praying for not only ourselves, but for our our nation individually, corporately. I hope you pray for your pastors. Uh, Listen, you have no idea what pastors go through. And nine times out of ten, they're not going to fill you in on any of it. Reason being is, you know, you'd probably go, really? You know, sometimes there are battles that go on. I don't know of any personally. I'm not trying to say much here. I just know that pastors do. I, I get to see Marie periodically, Pastor Marie, and I enjoy her company and, uh You know, so forth. She doesn't fill me in on everything that's going on with you guys. I just know because I'm a pastor. I don't fill her in on everything going on in mine either. But there are battles. And sometimes they're standing for you and you don't even realize it. Sometimes they're praying on your behalf. Sometimes they make decisions in the house that you don't understand. Because you don't know the whole thing. You don't know the whole picture. You don't know all sides of the truth. Any more than we know that often in our government. Amen? We don't see everything. We don't know anything. Uh, apart, obviously, from what the news tells us. But there are decisions that he makes that we may not understand. And the way this guy negotiates and does things, you know, he's, he's pretty incredible in his negotiating ability. But to begin with, people didn't understand that about him. And uh, he knows what he's doing. If we don't, don't speak against him. Don't speak against your pastors. Don't speak. Pray. If you think they've made a decision that's wrong, pray. Lord, I'm bringing this to you. You know, if, if I'm wrong, help me here. I want to pray on their behalf. Shondoroba Sunday. Maybe I don't have all the facts. Shondoroba da And begin to pray. Amen? And so I'm going to have to just close, you know. And it's probably time. I know you guys... Probably you're like, don't have her back, Pastor Marie, for God's sake. She's got 30 pages of notes and she really did almost preach them all, you know. But I'd like tonight, did this speak to any of y'all? Did this speak to your heart? Did you feel like the Holy Ghost began to massage something in there? Then that was what God wanted, hallelujah. And so tonight I'd like us to bow our heads and just for a moment... And if my husband wouldn't mind just getting me a mint out, I, I would appreciate it. I would like to, I would like to pray for all those that feel like you would like somebody to stand in agreement with you tonight. You know, to be carnally minded is death. You know, thank you, honey. You know, sometimes we can open our. I want you, if you're going down into the spirit, to be a true down in the spirit, not because of my bad breath. <laughs> so. Anyway, I like real. Sometimes I get too real. But here's the thing. Thank you for this powerful woman of God. And Lord, for for her husband. Such a team that co-labors together. Special gifts to this church. And I just thank you, Lord, for the, the path that just shines more and more light that shines more and more. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your will and way to be revealed. We just thank you for that right now, Lord. And we just would come against any um, spiritual attack that would try to remain as an obstacle. We cleared out of the way in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that Lord God, a great healing is being released. And Lord, whatever change that is coming, the Lord, we know these passions this passionate team after you. Lord, they're they're one of the few couples that I've seen that have so much passion to follow after you and your will and your way. And Lord, I know you're taking them to another level. Now, Lord, the horse and the rider's thrown into the sea. And we just thank you, Father, for an impartation of a, a new seeing of where you're going. You enlighten them as leaders in this church As they lead And as others follow We thank you for that right now, Father We just thank you There's a turning There's a turning There's a turning in the Spirit Just as that ship is turning There's a turning in the Spirit Because you all are hungry For the righteous move of God the Lord is behind the changes that He'll bring. Woo. You'll be able to be in a position to embrace and see. I don't mean I'm talking about you all leaving. I'm talking about change. And I think that there are many of us in the body of Christ open to change. What up, a sick kid of it? Because He can't put new wine into an old wine skin. <laughs> but he'll put new wine in it'll be a new wine that we have not yet experienced for he's on the way hallelujah heaven is waiting to impact earth in a kairos moment i believe individually corporately in churches across america and lord i thank you for sanctified leaders here today Haste of a heart Haste of a kind In Jesus name Hallelujah
1: Well, did you receive what you came for? And so we just say that the soul of our hearts is engrafted with good word. And that we're going to let our fruit remain and we'll go forth this week and produce a hundredfold. And let us go forth knowing that we've been refreshed these couple weeks that Pastor's been gone. When he returns, let us know that we're full and we're free and we're whole. And we're ready to enjoy the holidays and celebrate the season of our Lord's birth, but also running with hearts on fire into the new year. Not bracing, but embracing. So I didn't think it was possible to love you more, but I love you more today than I did yesterday. Were you blessed? Yeah, it was what a gift. Thank you. I'm so grateful for the gifts that God brings to this body. Um you guys don't travel. Quite as much as I do I assure you they're world class second to none why maybe we just need more help than anybody because you have us as pastors I don't know <laughs> but uh we're just so blessed at what God just imparts so thank you pastors Dan and Diane and you can't disinherit us stuck with us forever so we'll see you Tuesday night Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week and remember, the best is yet to come.